rumors, panic in the streets. We're lucky. Crazy scientist turns himself into some kind of a monster. Four mechanical arms welded right onto his body. <laughs> Guy named Otto Octavius winds up with eight limbs. What are the odds? Hoffman! Yeah. What are we gonna call this guy? Uh, uh, Dr. Octopus. That's crap. Uh, uh, science squid? Crap. Dr. Strange. That's pretty good. But it's taken. Wait, wait, I got it. Dr. Octopus. Uh, but uh, I like it. Of course you do. Dr. Octopus. New villain in town. Doc Ock. Genius. What, are you looking for a raise? Get out. Chief, I found Parker. Where you been? Looking for you all morning. Why don't you pay your phone bill? Mad scientist goes berserk and we don't have pictures. I heard Spider-Man was there. Where were you? Photographing squirrels? You're fired. Chief, the planetarium party. Oh, right. You're unfired. I need you. Come here. What do you know about high society? Oh, uh, well, I... Yeah, don't answer that. My society photographer got hit in the head by a polo ball. You're all I got. Big party for an American hero. My son, the astronaut. Could you pay me in advance? <laughs> Serious? Pay for what? Standing there? The planetarium tomorrow night, eight o'clock. There's the door. Hey guys, welcome back to Tribe of Nerds. Uh, JJ and I are back with our Spider-Man uh, rewatch, watch through um, as our off-season coverage, um, and we're doing Spider-Man Two. Uh, we're continuing the Raimi trilogy, um, and uh, so uh, rewatch impressions. Um. I. I think every time I've watched this movie, I've liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, the The first two Spider-Man movies are both just solid films, um, even standalones. Right. Because, uh, and I actually read this in a Facebook post today, one thing that like makes MCU movies hard to rank as fantastic solo films mm -hmm. is that they rely so heavily on a wider multiverse. Right. But um, even in the scope of the Spider-Man trilogy, Spider-Man 2 pretty much can work on its own. I agree with that. Um, and I definitely enjoyed this on rewatch. There's a couple things that we'll discuss that I'm not a fan of, but I think that's, you know, that's normal um, to think that. But I do, I do see the appeal of Spider-Man 2 to many people um, as a really great Spider-Man film. Um so now we can get into the cast, um, just their arcs and everything. Uh, Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker. Let's talk about his arc with this. And I guess we'll talk about this in the Spider-Man No More plotline, but kind of just like a brief overview of what you think of Tobey's arc as Peter. Uh, first, a note on Tobey Maguire's acting. It has not improved at all no. in this movie no. as Spider-Man, and that is definitely a low point for me. Um, but uh, in terms of like Spider-Man and Peter Parker's character development, I love this side of him that we got to see in this movie. Um, we really got to see the struggle of his work life and school balance, which is a big theme of Peter Parker. You're mm -hmm. su he's supposed to be relatable. Right. Um, and then, the like you were saying, the Spider-Man No More um, arc, I think it is a wonderful storyline to explore in a superhero movie. Agreed. Um, because it's, it can't be that easy to make the decision to sacrifice everything in your life to put yourself on the line for everyone else. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it's not something that's talked about in other movies. Right, and I guess we can just talk about it now then. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I don't... The only part of it I don't really... And it's just kind of the lack of chemistry between Kirsten Dunst and Tobey Maguire, but it's just, like, it's fueled by his fact that he really wants MJ and he can't have her, and that's kind of what fuels his powers going away for a bit because he doesn't really believe in himself, and it kind of stems from him not having Mary Jane. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I was. Um, that is one aspect of this Spider-Man trilogy that I've just never been a fan of. Yeah, is how integral the romance subplot has been to the main plot of the movie. Not that I have anything against a romantic subplot. Um, the majority of movies have some sort of romantic subplot in them, but I just I didn't need it to be such a big part of these movies. Yeah, and it's just. I mean, we'll get right into uh, Kirsten Dunst as well. I mean, I just... This movie is Mary Jane. She's literally, like, going between guys. I mean, like, she literally accepts being married to John Jameson, Jameson's son, and just, like... And, like, she literally is, like, testing, like, oh, how does he kiss upside down? And just, like... And then she... she The poor guy gets... Uh, she leaves him at uh, their own wedding to go for peter and it's just like he didn't really do anything wrong he just kind of gets ditched at his wedding yeah so yeah it's just i i just at least tell him yeah i just don't like mj and and in this trilogy i just it's not necessarily even bad acting it's just a bad bad writing for this character what would have happened if peter parker wasn't spider-man (laughs) <laughs> did she love Spider-Man? Did she love Peter? Did she love them both? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I just... And then and the, the relationship between uh, Mary Jane and Harry never gets explored either mm-hmm. uh, because they throw that surprise party for Peter. Right. And they're just um, cool with one another. I, okay, like, they were in a relationship. They broke up. There should be some tension there. Yeah, exactly. That's not like, and yeah, there's Harry t- as well, and we can kind of talk about uh, James Franco's Harry here too. Um, I mean, I I like his arc kind of naturally from the first one, at least. Of he saw Spider Man bring uh, his dad Norman uh, there, and so he thinks Spider Man killed Norman, and so naturally he's very angry at Spider Man because he believes Spider Man killed Norman, killed his father. So yeah, I. I would like that arc a lot more if the relationship between Harry and Norman had been stronger in the first movie. Because yeah. they really portrayed it in a way that made it feel like he was kind of like almost the estranged son. And now he's going to let his father's death run his entire life now. That's true. Um, I don't know. I I think James Franco's acting was a little bit weaker in this movie, too. Um, and Harry, honestly, I don't feel like he got enough screen time for the um, for the arc that they were trying to portray with him. Yeah, I mean, I do like the moment when he unmasks Peter um, after Doc Ock brings him back. And he, like, he sees it's Peter and his reaction just falling backwards because he can't believe it's Peter. I thought that was a well-done uh, scene. Um and a yeah, well-done that's reaction. Yeah, I really loved, too. I agree with you there. Yeah. 
but I, I agree that I agree that the relationship between Norman and, and Harry should have been better in the first one. Um, and so, I mean, it, between the big three, I mean, I also want to agree with you on Toby that his acting, I mean, the scene with where, where uh, MJ is about to get crushed by the wall or whatever, and you just have that really bad scream or whatever that from Toby that's just like... <laughs> Okay, I mean, that's just over the top and bad. And, like, the train scene that everybody says is really, really good, and it is, but you have Toby looking like a goober trying to stop this train. <laughs> it just... Where he should have had his mask on, but that we can talk about that as well. Um, that's something else I want to write down um, to talk about um, after we get through the casting. But, um... Uh, so... We'll move on to, I guess, let's talk about J.K. Simmons again and his perf- another perfect performance as J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, I I love J.K. Simmons' character mm-hmm. uh, that, that he brings to the screen. Um, just the arrogant, uh, anger-fueled reporter, uh, head, or, uh, head editor, I guess, would be a better... Term. I, yeah. He plays it so well. Um, there's no question that this character is this character. Yeah, and like when Peter just asks him, "Can I get paid in advance?" and just J.K. Simmons just cracking up at the thought of paying his employees like more than he wants to give them. Um, I, it's just perfect. Um, so I yeah. I love these subtle notes of Jameson's moral side <laughs> that we see um we've seen it in the first movie when green goblin was asking him who takes the photos and mm-hmm. now we see it here uh after he has spider-man's suit and um like he's about to admit that spider-man yes actually be able to stop dr octopus um and it's just nice to get these like little hints of you know maybe a lot of this is a front and there's more depth to the character, but we don't need that. Um, and it's okay that they don't play into it more. Right, and, like, that scene where he's just, like, he's saying how much he misses Spider-Man, and Spider-Man takes his suit back, and he just goes right back to saying, Spider-Man, you're a menace. Yep. <laughs> um, and I love the... It was a deleted scene, because I was expecting it when I on this rewatch, because I'd seen it in the movie before, but I'd guess I'd been watching the extended versions, but Jameson's suiting up in... The Spider-Man suit is a deleted scene where you just, they put J.K. Simmons' head on Spider-Man's body and he's just going around pretending to shoot webs and it's just perfect. That would have been wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and I, I know I've seen it, I again, I must have been watching extended editions because I know I've seen the deleted scene before um, and it's it's just perfect. Um, That's something I need to start remembering to do before our episode is watching deleted scenes. <laughs> Yeah, um, and so let's, and we're going to touch on him again in the rankings, but Alfred Molina as Doc Ock, and this is the time, um, news has just broke that Alfred Molina is confirmed to be coming back in, as Doc Ock into the MCU, Spider-Man 3, um, and to what extent, we do not know, but The Hollywood Reporter, uh, confirmed this, and that's a pretty credible news source, um, they... I mean, they actually, they would have a lot to lose if they were, like, lying about this, so, as far as credibility, so I think that it's a valid, uh, verifiable news source. 
Yeah, um, as far as Doc Ock in this movie, um, I remember Doc Ock being my first favorite supervillain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that is the way that Alfred Molina um, portrays the character. He really brings the character to life in a way that makes him believable. Mm-hmm. Um, his entire character progression, character development, um, it seems realistic and natural to me. Mm-hmm. The only complaint I have with the character is when um, he is first, like I guess, under the influence of the tentacles. Yeah. Um, like the one word, uh, thinking out loud to show the AI taking over i don't really like that that's not his fault that's um the script writing yeah um that just seemed like kind of campy and super something i'd see on the sci-fi channel (laughs) right yeah i can agree with that um but like i i guess one of my favorite scenes with this is when you see him in the surgical room and all of a sudden the arms come to life and murder the doctors and you're just seeing these horror scenes and it's just super sam raimi-esque and just it it's perfect i love that scene um since you brought it up yeah there are so many elements of this movie that are just truly a raimi style movie um the whole side of the movie that is dr octopus um is all horror film Mm -hmm. like the way it's designed the screams are like classic (laughs) horror film screams and it's nice it works for this movie Mm um i love it yeah and i mean i i also love how they show i mean at the beginning they're showing that doc ock is just this super intelligent person um that you know he when him and peter are even just talking about things and he's just like ah rosie i love this boy and i i love that I mean, I wish we would have gotten a little more of it, maybe, but I think that at the beginning, like, when they're relating to each other is pretty good. Um, Yeah, I would have loved more of a mentorship uh, between Peter and Octavius. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, we're going to get that between them in the Insomniac game if we get to talking about that, which I'm sure we will. Um, Right. But, uh, yeah, so um, if there's anything else you want to talk about in regards to casting... um, Yeah. Um, I brought it up last uh, episode. Just Rosemary Harris is such a wonderful uh, Aunt May. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think her chemistry with Tobey Maguire yeah. uh, it really plays well on screen. They really seem like a good family unit. And um, I just love her portrayal of Aunt May. Yeah, it's really good, like, when they're, she's moving the stuff out of the house and you have, you know, that conversation where she knows he's Spider-Man at this point. Like, she, mm-hmm. you definitely see that she knows, and I thought it was just a very good conversation where she really gives him the motivation to go back out there and be Spider-Man again. Um, and even the conversation before that, when, when uh, Peter tells her, you know, I know that uh, how Uncle Ben died and you know, this is what happened, and, you know, understandably, she's very upset at first to where she has to walk away, um, for a little bit, um, and I think that's very well done. In in some ways, Aunt May is more of a pivotal character in Peter's development as Spider-Man than Uncle Ben ever was. Yeah. Um, and that, that really comes through in this movie. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, 
All right, well, we can move on to, I guess, the... So the one thing I wanted to discuss as well that, you know, we talked about kind of favorite and uh, uh, not-so-favorite moments. I mean, this is kind of a thing where Peter Parker's identity is the most important thing to him, and you have on the train sequence when he takes his mask off and, you know, these New Yorkers carry him through and place him on the ground. He's like, well, he's just a kid. And it's just, and, you know, then he's, then he realizes his mask is off and people can see who he is and they're just like, oh yeah, we won't tell anybody, which is just, it's so, I don't like that because it's like, they're not going to be able to keep it secret. I mean, New York is literally the city that never sleeps. I mean, they're not going to, it's going to get around, you know, that many people seen who Peter Parker is. Um, Yeah, that, that moment is, um kind of at odds with the the whole plot of the rest of the movie. Yeah. Peter's motivations for everything he's doing in this film are based on not letting the ones he loves get hurt. Right. And why, if that is like the entire motivating factor for him even having his powers at this point, mm-hmm. um, why would he be so careless as to take off his mask in front of that many people? I understand he had to take it off in the moment because of, like, the burn or the electricity or uh, whatever it was at that moment. Um, But, like, he would have put it back on. Right. And he does, like, right after that, he puts it back on. And it's like, well, did he really need to take it off? (laughs) Like. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just. Yeah, it's a plot hole. I just, I don't like this part of the film. And, like, for a train sequence, I just think it kind of hurts that sequence a little bit, and I think people need to kind of recognize that that's not necessarily a great part of the scene, and and an otherwise, like, pretty cool scene. Yeah, on that scene, I love the choreography. Yeah. Uh, The way they use the train as a medium for uh, Doc Ock and Spider-Man to move and, uh, like, just move around the world and going through the train at points. Um, is really beautifully done. It's good staging. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the effects in this movie are a big step up from even the first one. <laughs> like, it, I, I was surprised. I'm like, just like the way that they have, you know, Alfred Molina's Doc Ock moving. I mean, it just, it looks very, very good. Yeah. Um, and a CGI was, it wasn't new at this point, but it's still, like, relatively new. Right. Um, there were a few moments, um, particularly on the clock tower, where yeah. I could really see the CGI. But mm-hmm. even that doesn't detract that much from the movie for me. Right. Because uh, it was still really well done. The only thing that really like took me out of the story were the bags of money in the bank. They were literal burlap sacks <laughs> with dollar symbols on them. No bank is ever going to store money that way in a vault. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And just, like, throwing the bags of money at Peter, and they're just exploding. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but, yeah, um, so now we can get into the cameos and Easter eggs. So the Stanley cameo is, again, him saving somebody from the falling debris of the clock tower. Um, not too much there. I mean, we're going to get... From this point forward, we're going to get better Stanley cameos. Um, yeah, this one was so quick, I actually missed it on my watch through. Yeah. You know, I, I, like, 
turned my head or blinked or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I I'm excited to get to better Stanley cameos, even when we get back in our MCU rewatch. Um, but uh, yes, and then we have Bruce Campbell coming back. He won't let Peter into the theater to see MJ's play. Um, I thought this was a hilarious scene. Um, <laughs> I, I love Bruce Campbell. Yeah. He's a great actor, and um, he's really good at kind of deadpan comedy. Yeah. Where he's doing things that aren't supposed to be funny, <laughs> um, but they are funny. Right. Um, yeah. And just <laughs> him <laughs> in this trilogy. Yeah, I, I can't remember what his Spider-Man 3 cameo is until I rewatch it, but uh, we'll talk about that when we get to Spider-Man 3. Um, and um, so then you had some other... Oh, and then uh, the only other thing, I, I guess you had some things, but the only thing other thing I wanted to mention was the Doctor Strange name drop when Jameson is trying to name Doc Ock, and he's just like, Doctor Strange, no. And it's just like... Back then, they're name-dropping Doctor Strange. And the funny thing is, we're going to get Doctor Strange 2 with Sam Raimi directing it. And I'm just... And it's supposed to have the multiverse. And now it just makes me think. Interesting. Okay, I see where you're going with that. Uh, what's interesting about the way that that was brought into the movie, too, is that Jameson says, uh, that's good, but that's taken. Which <laughs> confirms... That Doctor Strange does in fact exist in this Spider-Man universe. Oh my goodness! Um, even if we don't see him, um, onto some other Easter eggs though. Uh, his landlord was named Ditkovich, which is a reference to one of the co-creators of Spider-Man, Steve Ditko, along with Stanley. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Connors, of course, makes an actual appearance in this movie mm -hmm. um, as one of Peter's professors. He was briefly name-dropped in the first Spider-Man movie, but now we actually get to see him. Mm -hmm. um, he is an amputee who ends up researching um, different ways of regrowing limbs and becomes the lizard, mm -hmm. but we don't see that until The Amazing Spider-Man. Yep. Um, and then one thing that to me, feels like an Easter egg, but I couldn't, like, confirm that this was a reference in any research, is um, when Peter's losing his powers and his webs run out, yeah. to me, that felt like a reference to um, other iterations of Spider-Man mm -hmm. when his web shooters run out of web fluid. Um, and on initially becoming Spider-Man and creating the technology for the web shooters, that's a problem that Peter has in various iterations of the character. Right. Um, and didn't you have something about uh, Toby on the train with the kids? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Toby McGuire's half-brothers were the two boys on the train that um, gave him back the mask, mm -hmm. which I think is really cool. Yeah, that is very, very cool. Um, and so uh, I think think that's all we have for easter eggs there's probably more in the movie but um that i did see kevin feige's name in credits yeah uh, which i had not known prior to this rewatch um that's cool that feige was involved with marvel even at this point 
Yeah, I, I almost think that maybe at least he, you know, gave them a couple of references and things, worked briefly on it, but I think, you know, it was mostly Sony at this point, but Feige's probably planting his seeds going forward. Sony, yeah, Sony really gets more heavily involved in Spider-Man 3, but we will... Yeah, so yes, we will. <laughs> um, oh, great. Um... So, and then just, like, memes and favorite moments. We kind of briefly talked about our favorite moments. The memes. Um, Mr. Ditkovich, give me rent. Um, I have I have ears like a cat and eyes like a rat. <laughs> um, one of my favorite, like, just kind of cringy moments is when Peter jumps over his uh, motorized scooter or bicycle or whatever it is he's driving. And the kids are like, whoa, how do you do that? <laughs> yes. You know? Workout, plenty of rest, eat your green vegetables. <laughs> it's like my mom always told me. I just didn't believe her. <laughs> that was such a cheesy moment, but it's great. Um, or just pizza time, or <laughs> uh, the fact that they even have a pizza time theme from the video game, like the old Spider-Man Two video game. Um, and that is just a meme in itself. Um, Speaking of old Spider-Man references, the um, uh, I'm just gonna say Asian because I don't know what her uh, actual mm-hmm. heritage is. But the Asian woman playing the violin was playing the Spider-Man theme from the old cartoon, right? Which is, and which is a nice little nod. And we're gonna get that later in Marvel Studios logo for Homecoming. Um, yes. So, um, which is gonna be great, um, but. The, and then just like the time when he's tra- when he's like getting his powers back and you have him just like flying over the edge of the top of the building and he's just like I'm back and then he just falls <laughs> and he's like my back <laughs> yeah um, yeah oh also the moment where uh, Aunt May not or slaps the banker's hand because he's trying to pick up coins and steal them. After kicking him under the table when she's trying to kick Peter. Yeah. <laughs> I believe she also... It's after she slapped Norman's hand in the first one for putting his fingers in the in the turkey. <laughs> yeah, she did do that. <laughs> so, um, and I believe the one... The banker was Joel McHale, I believe. Um, I'm not familiar with him. I think he's a comedian. I believe that, that he... That was a cameo by him. But I could oh, be wrong. Neat. Um, I did, I think I found that out from watching a YouTube video on that, um, that said he was in it, I'm like, oh, that's Joel McHale. Um, so yeah, if we, unless you have anything else, I think we can move on to our rankings. Yeah, I'm good to move on to rankings. Alright. Sounds like it'll be a short episode, which is fine. Yeah, um, so villains ranked, um, Doc Ock, Alfred Nolina, I put him in a 5.2, I think there's a couple cheesy moments here and there, but overall, I think he's a very, very good villain. Um, I think he's better than Norman Osborn for the, I mean, cause I feel like you, you get some of his intelligence, um, more. And I just think Doc Ock is just, I think he's the best Spider-Man villain or definitely one of the best, um, as well as Green Goblin, but I think Doc Ock more so. Um, and I just, I love the arms coming alive scene. I love all of that. So yeah, I'm, I'm giving him a 5.2. I can't, besides the cheesiness, I can't exactly pinpoint why I'm giving him a little bit of a lower, uh, marking him so many points off, but, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes 
quite high in Spider-Man villain rankings. So, both my reference and listeners, um, what is uh, Green Goblin's ranking? Um, oh, Green Goblin's ranking is a 5.05. 5.05, okay. I think I'm going to give Doc Ock a 5.4 then. Okay. Um, I would rank him higher, um, but to me, the while the motivations are good for the villain... Right. The complete flip from him seeing like somewhat of an ethical scientist, even though we don't get much of his views before the arms being added, mm-hmm. um, to going like instant villain. Um, I just I don't know. Something with that didn't sit right. It felt like too much of a t- change in personality. Um, yeah. But I absolutely love the character. I love the way that Spider Man and Doc Ock. Uh, interact with one another yes. both as their super-powered personas and as their human um, alter egos. Um, uh, Otto and Peter together yes. work well together on the screen. The fighting choreography between the two characters is phenomenal yep. for this time period as well. Yeah, I agree with all that, and I, I agree with what you said. I mean, I think that's another definitely another point off for, or a little bit off for that is... That, yeah, I mean, at first his arms are telling him to, you know, rob the bank. And he's like, I can't do that. But then he's just like, okay, well, I'm going to go turn evil. Um, Which I have no problem with AI being the motivating factor here. But what do the arms gain from this? Right. Why, why are they motivating him to do evil things? Why are they motivating him to rebuild the reactor? What right. purpose does that serve for them? Like, if they're truly influencing him to serve them, it seems like they do something that would benefit them more. Right, exactly. So, I, I agree with you. I think that's definitely the that uh, the points off as well. Um, so, yeah, so Doc Ock is above Green Goblin now, but both are pretty high, and I I imagine that both of them will, be, will stay up decently high in the overall Spider-Man villain rankings. Um, I agree with you. So I um, think maybe the MCU villains will rank higher. We'll see when we get to that. So Yeah, maybe. Um, I definitely think that these two are going to be the top ones for our, our Raimi trilogy. Oh, yeah. Probably for the Andrew Garfield trilogy or duology as well, but we'll see. Probably. Um, I do like Lizard as a villain, but we'll, uh, I haven't watched the movie in a while. So actually like comparing the villains to one another... Um, I have to rewatch and do some thinking about it. What yeah. was the average score then? Uh, the final score for Doc Ock? Oh, 5.3. 5.3? Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess I could have done that math e- in my head. Yeah, no no worries. Um, and yeah, we, now we can move on to the movie rankings um, for Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man uh, from 2002 is, is at a 4.25. Um, so for this... I gave Sp- the first Spider-Man a 4. I'm giving this a 4.5. There's definitely a jump in quality um, in this movie, but there's still some cheesiness and, like you said, bad acting for Tobey Maguire. Um, and I don't really like Kirsten Dunst in this as MJ. I just... I've never been a fan of her character, and I agree that, you know, while Harry has some good moments in this film, it, it you know, the build-up from the first one with his relationship with his dad kind of, and how they kind of poorly set that up a little bit kind of detracts from that. 
Um, and I mean, uh, 4.5, I think is pretty fair. I don't think it's like this perfect film that people say it is. I, I have, I enjoyed other Spider-Man films more, but I also think this is definitely top half of the Spider-Man films. So. Yeah, I think this one deserves a, a pretty decent ranking. Uh, overall, it's a really solid film. I've talked about the choreography a few times, but I really think it's well done. Um, especially for this being early superhero movies, um, before there was like a well-established way to bring superpowered characters together mm -hmm. in fights. Um, beyond that, I think makeup and costuming really shines in this movie. Agreed. Um, I, even though Green Goblin was done really well, his uh, his costume, I think that Doctor Octopus is an improvement upon even Green Goblin. Um, acting not improving in a sequel is a big detracting point for me. Mm -hmm. They should be improving on the things that didn't go as well in the first movie. So Tobey Maguire's acting still being as monotone as it was yeah. um, is one of the big reasons I'm going to put this movie below a five. Um, also, like you said, and like I said, the James Franco as Harry Osborn side plot mm -hmm. didn't feel like it was big enough. Um, so I guess I'm going to give this movie a 4.8. It's not perfect. There are a lot of really good things, but I can't have that kind of acting from the main character. And I, the romantic subplot, the chemistry isn't there in a way to make that feel like it should be as big of a part of the movie as it is. Right. All right. Uh, that gives it a 4.65. Um, so, yes, it is above the first Spider-Man. But, you know, for people that are listening to this and being like, oh, I have Spider-Man too much higher, I think should kind of listen to the points that we have, of course, and kind of think about it. Um, but, of course, it's also people's personal tastes. So, you know, if you have if you have this, like, as your, as your favorite Spider-Man film, like, no hate. I, I think it's still a good film. Um, I just think there's some flaws in it, and I think, obviously, we're going to be discussing flaws as we go on. So, at the very least, I think... Most, if not all, of our listeners will agree that Spider-Man 2 was better than Spider-Man 1. Yes, and it's going to be better than Spider-Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, next week we will talk about uh, emo Peter Parker and um, a lot of the memes with it and how kind of a mess the third one is. Um that's how I what I gotta say about it for now, and I'm gonna rewatch it and kind of see what I think on the rewatch. But I don't imagine that this film is gonna go that high. <laughs> I just hope they don't make the same mistakes with the MCU Spider-Man three. But yeah, fingers crossed. We'll see. Yep we we can talk about that when we get back to the MCU, um, and kind of when we talk about Spider-Man there, and I think next week we can also kind of rank Tobey Maguire, um, since that'll be the end of him in this oh, yeah, trilogy. we're gonna rank Spider-Mans against each other too, right? Yeah, I think that's be, that'd be best, and we should wait till we've covered them in their movies. Oh, that makes sense. So, um, of course, we might get him back. Yes. We might get him back. So, we will see. Right, but, yeah, I, and I think, I guess just in this trilogy alone, we'll rank Tobey Maguire <laughs> next week. No, I'm on board with you. I just... Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be crazy. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Um, completely. Um, 
So yeah, we'll get to Spider-Man 3, and then probably after Christmas we'll get we'll record for the Andrew Garfield movies, and then Into the Spider-Verse and Insomniac, Spider-Man, and maybe Venom we'll throw in there. Um, we'll kind of see. Venom would be good throwing. Yeah, so we'll we'll figure it out. There's going to be time before we get back to our MCU watch. Um, so, but we I'll promise that that it'll come somewhat early next year. So. Um, but thanks for listening and we'll see you next week for Spider-Man 3 on the Tribe of Nerds.